Good morning, everyone. Hello. This is Donna, and I really enjoyed greeting everyone that I was able to greet at the door to collect tickets. And while everyone starts to enjoy their meal, I will take the microphone around so folks can introduce so our fellow and our, our lady sisters can know who's, which other sisters are in the room with us. So here we go. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, good morning. This is Marsha Farrow from Somerville, Georgia. Mary Ellen Frost from Maine, and it's a pleasure to have my sister from Tennessee, Barbara Hearn, here with me. Good morning, everyone. Leslie Spoon, and I am teaching Yoga Lotties later tonight at 545 in Southern Pacific D as in David. So please come. It's a good way to unwind from the day, and I look forward to seeing everyone and, and just having a good time. Cindy Van Winkle. Oh, my goodness. I'm still tired, I think. <laughs> Either that or I'm going to blame it on the smoke or auctioneering, one of the two. Um, from WCB, Washington, Bremerton, Washington. Here you go. This is Andrea DeKlotz from Orange, California. Uh, Carolyn Burley from Canton, Ohio. Mary Lynn Pifo from Westerville, Ohio. Rhonda Trott from Talladega, Alabama. I'm, I'm Tina Mae Klein, and um, I'm uh, here with my son, who's um, low vision, and uh, this is our first time. My son's his name is J.C. We're from Merced County, by the way. Tom Burgunder from McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. Hey, how are you? Good. Good. Here's the microphone. Tim Miller from Camarillo, California. Sharon Ige, Pearl City, Hawaii. I'm Barbara Hearn, Mary Ellen's sister. Edie Huffman, Indianapolis, Indiana. Lindsay Tilden, San Diego, California. Jane Lund, Bloomington, Minnesota. Hi, this is Sadja, and I come from Hawaii. Lynn Corral, I'm now from Sarasota, and I'm at this fabulous table with uh, Jane and Chrissy. Good morning, everybody. This is Nellie Emerson from Santa Maria, California. I'm on this side. <laughs> Christy Crespin, Highland, California. I know, Andrea. Good morning. This is Sarah Conrad from Madison, Wisconsin. Go to our left. Okay. Hi, this is Leanna Texera, and I'm from Hillmar, California. Good morning. This is Zelda Gemhardt from North Dakota, and I, I just want to let you guys know everybody thinks we're in the in the cold Antarctic or something, but it was 104 yesterday in North Dakota. Lord. Oh. Yeah. This is Donna Hepper from Bismarck, North Dakota. Donna Hepper from Bismarck, North Dakota. Thank you. Artist Basin, Burbank, California. 
Darian Slayton Fleming, Portland, Oregon, and I'm the one that showed the clip about the blind skydiver um, Saturday night. So please support our documentary by going to Facebook and Twitter, Blind John Movie. Karen Campbell, Chicago, Illinois, and Rhonda, I did get it working. Hi, I'm Terry, and I'm from Eva Beach, Hawaii. Hi, I'm Alva. I'm Alva Kaneaiakala from Nanakuli, Hawaii. Wonderful, thank you. Aloha, Erica Liashenko, Nanakuli, Oahu. And before you sit down, can you please introduce yourself? Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Moses Babafemi. I'm from Los Angeles, California. I'm Graham Steele from Wyoming and the DKM winner. Yay. I'm Margaret Johnson from Paragould, Arkansas. All right, Arkansas. Here you go. Already. Good morning, buenos dias, aloha, mahalo, everything. <laughs> <laughs> This is Lupi Medrano from Silicon Valley Council of Blind, California. Thank you. Yay. This is Kathy Manella from Silicon Valley Council of the Blind from Mountain View, California. Thank you. Okay. Hold on one second because I don't want to miss my tables here. Okay. We're going to go left. Here's the microphone. We're oh, I already didn't. I already oh, did. Okay. We're, oh, hold on. We have a few new arrivals. So I'm going to go to them so that you can introduce yourself. I'm saying my name and where I'm from. Name and where you're from. Cynthia Hawkins DeBose, Tampa, Florida, first timer. All right, do we have any other new arrivals? Over here, raise your hand, I'm walking that way. Oh, I love it. I love it, I love it. Here I come. I have roller skates today. All right, here we are. Oh, to your left. Yes, it's me. <laughs> Hi, hey. No, no, hardly. That's the least of your worries. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. I am the late Miss Gail Crossan from La Habra, California, Orange County. Yay! All right, we have another new arrival. Mika White from Federal Way, Washington. And is Mary Helen? If if, okay, perfect. You're helping folks through the door. Oh, we have another new arrival. Yep. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Amber Steet, Kutztown, Pennsylvania. Yay. All right. Do we have everyone or did I forget someone? I missed a few, so I'm going back. All righty. Raise your hands if I missed you. All right. Oops, sorry. Yes, I'm Bobby Lynn Lee. I'm Cynthia Hawkins DeBose's sister. I'm a urologist from Augusta, Georgia, and I'm so happy to be here. Um, it's been a great week. We have another new table being formed. That's why when we heard over here, I looked at this table, and here they are, these wonderful women. Next. Next. There you go. Ellen Telker, Milford, Connecticut. Hi there, okay. Ellen. Uh, and actually, she already introduced at the door, so make a set. Have I missed anyone else? Me. Hazel Fields, Columbia, Missouri. 
All right. Any new arrivals? Oh, right. There's someone at the door. Two people at a table. They're coming in the door. Wow. One, two, three. (laughs) We're going to get them while they're at the door. (laughs) All right. If I can have you introduce yourself. Gretchen to oh. The, yeah. oh, here's the mic. This is Gretchen Mountie from Columbia, Missouri. Good morning. Yay! And we have two more lovely ladies who are here at the door. Who? Okay. Colette Arvidson, Washington area or Western? I don't know anymore. She's in Washington somewhere. <laughs> in the state. Welcome, welcome. All righty. And we have one more wonderful sister. Yep, certainly. Okay, thank you. If you can introduce yourself real quick before you get seated. I got seated. it. I'm sorry? If you can introduce yourself real quick before you get seated, Mary Helen. Hi, Kathy Schmidt Whitaker, uh, Diamond Bar, California. Welcome, welcome everyone, and I will give it back over to our wonderful Anne Brash. Let's welcome all our sisters in the room before we get going. Thank you, everyone. What we'll do is we will uh, eat for about, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 minutes or something. We'll see how it goes. This is an absolutely marvelous breakfast. Please uh, enjoy it. juice way up there? Yes, some of them have drank there, some of them have touched Some of them might not know it's there. Okay. How do you... Just want to let everybody know that your juice is uh, above your plate, so if you haven't found it, it's there. 
we're at a place and I don't know where things are. And, and how would we know? Because mm -hmm. I wouldn't have looked way up there. Oh, I should have told him it's in a wine glass. And your juice, ladies and gentlemen, is, uh, is in a wine glass. So, uh, so it's not wine, it's juice. <laughs> You're okay. too cute. I know. Okay. <laughs> well, it doesn't look like juice, right? Yeah, you're right. Looks like wine to me. Mm -hmm. I like wine. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, can, hello. I know you're all having a good time, but I guarantee you, you don't want to miss a word of these speakers here. Oh, good. We're going to have a wedding. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes, and uh, Janet is going to plan it, she says. Okay, so let me, uh, oops, let me introduce our first speaker. Uh, we would not be here. We would not be here without our first speaker. Okay, so you probably know who she is already. But she's from St. Paul. She has a guide dog. She served on both ACB and uh, local and national levels, and she's now the convention coordinator. She was a former federal employee, and she's always ready. And I can attest to this to problem solve even before. A convention, and certainly during a convention. So let me introduce you, Janet Dickelman. Okay. Is there a speaker for this? A, is there a podium up there? Or, just or a hold? Oh, um, where, could you get me the stand? Yeah. Sorry, everybody. I'm just trying to. Uh, yeah. Oh, there. That's. That's. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There we go. 
Oh, I am so sorry, everybody. This is a very, not a good way to start out the day, is it? <laughs> had, had a few technical difficulties, and working with one wrist is making my life difficult. So anyway, good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here. Boy, it's so nice. So ma- There's a few first-timers out here that I don't know, so welcome, all of you. And most everybody I've talked to or, or know, I think I've done registrations for about half of you in this room for the convention. <laughs> anyway, um, when Donna Pomerantz called and uh, asked me to speak, I said, well, I have nothing to talk about. My life's, you know, basically been very, nothing extraordinary, just, you know, nothing interesting. Well, Donna said, oh, come on. We all know about your convention coordination, but we want to know a little bit about who you are. So... That's what I'm going to do today. A um, little bit, as, as you know, from a convention standpoint, I began coordinating the convention information desk in 2009 and then was vice convention coordinator in 2011 and chair, um, convention coordinating chair beginning in 2012. And um, I've always loved planning meetings, parties, Weddings, showers, anything, you know, when family or friends had any kind of event, I always had to be involved in it, whether they wanted me to or not, because that's just who I am. Um, So this comes naturally to me, and I love doing it. I love my post-retirement volunteer position, um, which is more hours than my regular job, but anyway. um, But what else can I tell you about myself? I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. I've lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, had a terrible 11-year hiatus in the heat of Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, now I'm living in St. Paul, Minnesota. Like many of you, I was born prematurely. I was born two months early. I was due in December, but in my preemie heart of hearts, I knew that I did not want to share my birthday with Christmas. So I decided October would be much better month to be born in. So that's... Um, I was blessed with wonderful parents. My parents never coddled me or told me I couldn't do something. That was very... um, My mom had me helping her in the kitchen probably from the time I was seven. I was in there as, you know, mama's cooking assistant. Uh, Since I couldn't ride a regular bike, my parents, in their infinite wisdom, bought a tandem. And... I was the most popular kid in the neighborhood because if anybody wanted to ride the tandem, they had to go with me. So I got to do lots of bike riding, so that was fun. Um, as the oldest of three, I uh, started babysitting for my siblings when I was uh, probably 12, 13. When I said to my dad, well, don't I get paid for doing this? You know, this is babysitting. He said, nah, it's experience. I said, oh, thanks. Um, I was mainstreamed uh, before mainstreaming was a, was a word. Um, my Braille resource teacher, Kay Casina, um, insp- inspired a can-do attitude and taught me that never to give up. That was, she was the best. Um, I attended St. Norbert College in De Pere, Wisconsin. I did not become a Packer fan, though, living in Wisconsin. Um, between finals and graduation... My senior year, I went through a screening program for Social Security Administration. As some of you, many of you know, that's when they were doing the push. What, what? Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to do this one-handed. <laughs> um, and my real sense keeps slipping off my lap. Um, anyway, I um, started out, I, I went to a screening class or program for Social Security between my senior finals and my graduation. That's the time that they were selecting people who were blind or visually impaired to work for Social Security, and they sent people down to Daytona Beach for a screening program. So I ran down and did that, came back and graduated, and was hired by Social Security that following month. So I was very fortunate to get a job right out of college. And I never thought that's necessarily what I wanted to do with my life. I thought maybe I wanted to be a teacher, but I never ended up going that route. I worked for Social Security for 35 years. Um, I was, I did graduate from college when I was 12, just so you know. You know, I was very, very young. 
the last 17 years of my time at Social Security, I was a supervisor. And uh, so that prepared me for convention coordinator, too. <laughs> um, just before I retired, I decided that I wanted to get a guide dog. So I was a later-in-life guide dog user. Uh, thanks to seeing I and their uh, patience and working with me, I've had two wonderful guide dogs, my legendary th food and napkin thief, Isabel, and Chrissy, my current dog, who is a dream dog. I haven't found any one bad, she hasn't done one bad thing since I've had her. I know that's not going to last. A um, little more about my family. Uh, my sister was born two and a half years after I was. I remember distinctly, I cried because I wanted a brother. Because I knew that a sister would be trouble. That was competition. And I was right. We went through lots of sibling rivalry. However, like the song from White Christmas says, there were never more devoted sisters. Um, I finally got the baby brother I wanted. Um, unfortunately, he had a very troubled youth and got into drugs and alcohol and uh, ended up uh, contracting AIDS from being an IV drug user. Uh, he straightened out his life, was a wonderful brother, a great brother and uncle to, his, to my son and his other niece and nephew, but unfortunately he died of AIDS at age 35. <sighs> and in addition, my mother also contracted AIDS from a blood transfusion. And uh, today, it will be 25 years ago today that she died. Um, I was married to a co-worker from Social Security uh, just when I was 22. We had our son, Kevin, seven years later. Um, I thought we were, you know, relatively happy. You know, not a perfect marriage, but what's a perfect marriage? Until uh, one night... Just before Thanksgiving, uh, we were waiting for guests, and I, I said, well, how did your, he was going to a counselor, and I said, how did your counseling appointment, oh, sorry, I said, uh, how did your appointment go with the counselor, and he said, well, we talked about what your reaction would be if I asked you for a divorce, and I said, oh, well, all right, that kind of takes the thankfulness out of Thanksgiving, um, so I ended up being a uh, single mom with a three-year-old. And in a million years, I never thought that was going to be my life. So. Cool. Uh, the hardest decision I ever made in my life was uh, letting my son live with his dad and his dad's new wife for a number of years. Um, he went to live with his dad when he was seven. Um, had I been involved with ACB at that time and uh, had support from groups like ACB Families, maybe I would have made a different decision. But I did think that this was better for my son for, for many reasons. However, my son Kevin and his wife live close to me now, and in spite of the time that he wasn't with me, we're extremely close. And I'm so lucky for both of them. Um, I married uh, Don Vogel, a blind radio personality, and uh, lived the, the quasi-celebrity life, uh, normal... Uh, I, I learned that getting fired in the radio business is very normal and uh, learned, uh, learned about groupies, learned about some perks, but learned about groupies. It was an interesting life. Uh, sadly, he succumbed to uh, cancer in our sixth year of marriage. Um, my current husband, Terry, and I have been married for uh, 15 years. Uh, he rarely comes to any ACB event, but some of you did meet him in Minneapolis. I actually believe that he exists now. <laughs> Um, Terry always says, I uh, never met a stranger. I send out about 200 Christmas cards uh, every year to people that I, you know, worked with 30 years ago. In fact, just this year, I uh, got a little note from a woman who I worked with and probably hadn't seen for about 30 years, and she wrote me a note saying that her mom had passed away and how much she always enjoyed getting my Christmas cards. And the daughter said, I remember coming to your house in Arizona and meeting you and Kevin and going swimming in your pool. And she said, I'm so glad you stayed in touch with my mom. And that made me feel really good. Uh, this year has been uh, <laughs> filled with a uh, lot of challenges for me. 
unfortunately, in January, my dad passed away after a three-year struggle with uh, Parkinson's disease and, and the associated dementia with Parkinson's. Uh, difficult time. I checked on him several times a day just to make sure that he was doing okay. That was my, my part of dad care. And uh, I get frustrated sometimes by his constant repeating and his really far-fetched stories, but sure wish I could hear one of them now. <laughs> um, since falling in February and severely breaking my wrist and uh, damaging my arm, hand, and fingers, it's been uh, quite the journal journey. It's um, reading is really hard for me. And uh, using my guide dog, Chrissy, I haven't been able to for the last few months. So that's very difficult. And I have a new appreciation for people who have limited use of their hand because it's really awful. It's given me a whole new perspective. Now, I've said, you know, some challenges that I've had. But in closing, I've had, I've had disappointments and heartache. But I feel that my life overall has been absolutely blessed. I wouldn't change a thing. I believe that happiness is a choice. I prefer my glass to be half full rather than half empty. And so please join me in choosing to be happy, choose to be positive, live life to the fullest. And thank you very much for having me. Now, now you know a little about me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, let's give her a big hand again. Uh, even, the, even the dog is happy, right? Okay. Oops, here we go. All right. Let's uh, welcome our next, oops, let's see. Welcome our next speaker here. She is from Austin, Texas. She serves on many boards in uh, her community as well as ACB. Um, boards and in ACB of Texas. She's a strong advocate for accessible media, Braille or large print. She's uh, brailled many uh, vending machines and room numbers and uh, everything imaginable, and I have uh, done that at conventions with her, and she is the hardest worker, uh, Brailler that I know. And now she is doing a superb job of getting our sponsors every year. Let's uh, welcome Marjorie Beeman. Thank you, everyone. I am so honored to be here this morning with this group because these are the power women. And we have some power men out there, too, but you better watch out because the women are here. One thing is, women, we should always need to work together. We need to support each other. And then sometimes we don't know how to use our power. So we always have to think about, in order to have power, we need to feel like we have that power and use it at all times. So that's very important. You can't be shy. And I'm probably the shyest person on earth. But I'm getting not as shy. I can go somewhere and be the wall instead of speak to people. And it doesn't sound like it, but I am. So that's... Uh, one of the things I wanted to mention, I learned at the age of five that women were being discriminated against. And that was because I had a brother. He was, <laughs> I grew up in the country, and he was older than me, and we'd have to go out and pick peas, or we had to top corn, or we had to do various things in the field. And when we picked the peas, mother would pay us per pound. I got three cents my brother got five. Papa, I thought that was awful. A few years ago, right before my mother passed away and we were visiting, and I said, Mother, I'll never forget when you discriminated against me. She said, I did? She said, I thought you forgot that, but now I said, I never did. Because all through life, you kind of look at the things that are there that might discriminate against you, and I didn't, I didn't want that to happen to others as I was going through life. So I made sure... In my particular jobs, I grew up in the country, and it's in the middle of nowhere. When I go there now, my cell phone doesn't work. I don't have a TV, and I don't have a radio, so I have to go in my car. But 
it's still wonderful out there. I'm out there with coyotes, mountain lions, bobcats, my longhorns, and other cattle. A lot of cats. And so it's, it's very interesting out there. And I grew up with a birth defect I was born with. I was uh, little when I was born. And at that time, they would not do surgery until I was seven. And at seven, I weighed 28 pounds. So they decided they would do the surgery. And after surgery, I became a balloon. And you know what happens then in school. You get teased, you're fat-sold, I have the name margarine, and then you're slick and you're butter. And, and so it really set me back until after I got out of high school. Then when I got out of high school, I said, that's over. I made up my mind I was going to lose that weight. I weighed 221 pounds when I graduated from high school. Now I weigh 100. And that made a big difference as I was looking for a job, going to work, and even going to college. And when I looked for my first job, and I got it in a hotel, worked there forever, knew a lot about hotels. That's why I can go behind the hotel, in front of the hotel, and back in the hotel, and know really how a hotel operates and where you find things. And when I applied for that job, they asked me, what can you do? I said, well, I can do accounting. I've never had a job, but I do know how to drive a tractor. And they said, oh. <laughs> so you can tell I was really a farm girl, and it took a lot of time and a lot of gumption and a lot of nerve to be able to get that job and work in a hotel. Because a hotel, when you first start to work in a hotel, is a lot different than working anywhere else, especially as a shy teenage girl from the country because of just the things that happened in the hotel at that time. But then... You can get my age now. Uh, president Johnson became president, and Kennedy was coming that day and was assassinated. And I worked at that hotel, and they gave me the job when he came in. Now you think about technology. They didn't have technology back in the 60s, middle 60s. So every time he came in, we had to put in phone lines. And that was a really big issue because of security for the president when they came in. So we had to put in phone lines and all the stuff that needed to go out to the ranch. I was responsible for that. So that was kind of interesting. Then, as I said, I really wanted to promote and get a job that women normally don't have. So the comptroller job became available. I didn't have really the degree for it, and not many people in the hotel did. So I said, well, I'll apply anyway. So I got the job of the comptroller. And it was the first time that a woman had any position like that with Brown and Root Company, which some of you have heard of, and Texas Railway and Equipment and Halliburton's. And they were out of Houston. And that meant I really had to work hard. But they were a big friends also of uh, President Johnson at that time. But it was interesting to see the staff, the press, and all those various people coming uh, to the hotel and being like in your house. Because when you work in a hotel, it's like your house. But the hotel, when I started working, the amount of money I got per month is what most people get per day now. And so therefore, my, my apartment was about that same amount. So I said, you know, I've got to get another job. So I got a job with a television sales and service. Then I decided I needed another one to work for a travel agency. Then I started working for a college at night. And the next thing, I had five jobs. And I even sewed for other people. So you do whatever you need to do to be able to make ends meet. But it was kind of good for me because at the Driscoll Hotel, you got one meal a day. I mean, and I was trying to lose weight. And you didn't have much money left over. So it worked out very well. So I lost my weight at the same time I got my jobs. And you met so many people and you got so many different experiences that I would have never been able to do the things that I do now if it hadn't been for those five jobs at that particular time there. And that was really made a difference there. Then as time went on, uh, I met my husband, and we decided, even before we got married, to open up a scrap metal business. So we had our scrap metal business for 45 years, and then just this last year, we closed it because the kids didn't want to do it anymore. And 
then we rent, we're renting our buildings. So you have to always figure out which way you're going to do it. And then I have an accounting consulting business I've still kept, and I, there I work with colleges and consult on financial aid, curriculum, and accreditation. And I'm thinking about getting rid of that. And then in, nine, well in not, December of 1979, a lot of people always ask, how did you get involved with the blind? And that was by eavesdropping on a conversation at the airport. <laughs> so now when I sit in the airport, I usually sleep because I'm afraid I might want to start another project. And there was a man at that time, he looked about in his 40s, a young man sat down beside him and he said, Hassan said, how long have you been blind? What are you doing here? And the individual said, I've been blind seven years. The first year when I became blind, I lost my job. Then he said, in two years, he lost his family. And I assumed that meant a divorce. He said, then I floundered around for several years. And then he came to our rehab center in Austin, which is, was uh, named after one of our senators, and he was also a judge, uh, Chris Cole. And he had gone there, and he was telling the young man, he said, I learned Braille, mobility, my independent living skills, cooking and sewing and marking my clothes. And he was going on and on at airports. said, time to get them on the airplane, time to get on the airplane. And the young man followed him all the way to the door. He said, I have two questions. One, why did you learn Braille? Never see the dots anywhere. Remember, that was 79. Then he said, do you have a job? He says, no. I have no idea what I'm going to do when I get home. He had not been home in a year. So I thought, oh, my goodness, I have to do something for this guy. All day when I was consulting with this college in Dallas, I said, oh, my goodness, I've got to do something for this guy. And when I was consulting, they said, who are you talking about? I said, well, I, I didn't meet the man, but I overheard this conversation. And I have to do something for him. So when I got back, I contacted our commission for the blind, and they thought I was crazy. Everybody wants to do something, but nobody does anything. Well, that made me mad. So I decided they were not going to stop me. So I got in touch with the school for the blind, and there was a lady there by the name of Frankie Sawyer. And I said, Frankie, what do you think if I do a shopping mall directory? She said, I always wanted one, and I'll do the Braille. Let's do it today. I said, oh, my goodness, can't do it that fast. So we got busy, visited all the shopping malls, got in touch with the media because we needed to raise funds and everything, and we did kind of stimulated mall directories. The first time we went out to the mall, and, of course, I didn't know that many blind people, only knew one, and we went out there and we did our simulation. Then the next media came and they wanted a different mall, and a different blind person. So I had to go, and I finally found a lady, and she had a dog. That was my first experience with a guide dog. And it was raining. So as she comes to my car, I sister in the car, and the dog was all wet, and I was all wet. And I said, does your dog sit between us on the seat? And she said, oh, yeah, he sits with me in the front. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? So as I got over to the other side, I realized the dog sat down by her feet. He shook himself off on me. And I said, oh, my goodness, if media isn't there, I'm quitting. I got there, and the media was there. So nothing ever, when I say I'm about ready to quit, something always keeps me going on the project that I started. Then in uh, October of 1980, we did the first shopping mall directory, and we've done a bunch of them all over the United States, but then as time went on, we can't always continue doing the, updating the stores. And, I'm, in fact, I'm working with someone, and I can't remember what state it's in, that I, since I've been here, that wants to do a shopping mall in their area. And then we did the first Braille instruction on an ATM. And I'm not for sure if anyone's here in the room, because we went to every state in the United States. We did it in 15 different languages and traveled all over the world to get these out and got a lot of feedback. In fact, I've got 500 newspaper articles. I don't know how many letters from people in Braille and print that that was the first time. You've got to remember, this was a long time ago, that they could back bank independently and not everybody knew their business. <laughs> and then we started doing also Braille bank statements. 
And in fact, we started that in 1980, I think 86, when I became a certified Braillist. So we do Braille bank statements, and one of the State Department Federal Credit Union, we've been doing theirs every month since that date. So uh, they come monthly, and then we're other banks we do them for also through our group. So it's, it's, it's been a really a, a interesting road. I've met so many people all over the world, even through the International Blind Sports Group, been to many different countries to visit with the blind and visually impaired, and probably the country that was the most devastating was inside of Nigeria. Went all the way into Awari, Orlu, and they had someone from the governor's office, myself, and a car that you would never even imagine on our streets, Chuck Holt, you'd never think about going through. And I was by myself with them and a person with a machine gun, and we drove out in all the rural areas, and I visited with the blind people. One of the ones when we got out there, I had sent out Braille materials all over the world to different ones that we've used here, and a blind lady was sitting on the floor reading one of the Braille magazines. It was the New York Times that I had sent over there. That just got me. So you never know what you send to other countries, how it's being used. Then, I think in 1982 was the first time I did Braille on vending machines because someone contacted me from ACB that I'd met, I think, in Texas, and they said, we never have Braille on vending machines. We always take potluck. I said, don't worry. It'll never be like that again. So we started doing that. Then it was large numbers. So it's, it, that was, you know, um, interesting there to do that. And we even did Braille on elevators. And if you look at the casings and you see the big numbers on the casings, we were responsible for that because it just wasn't happening. And how do you know what floor you're on? So it's a lot of different things. And then I don't even remember who asked me to be on the National Committee, but (laughs) that doesn't make a difference. I'm on the National Committee and help with all various things and raise funds. And I think this year, by the time the convention's over, it'll probably be at $300,000. So I'm real excited about that. And so there's so many things we can do with funding so many more programs we can have, so many more things can happen, and we want everybody to have the power, not be discriminated against, and be able to do what you want to do and when you want to do it. And if anybody has trouble, I've become quite an advocate, and used to I was more shy than now, so I'm like, more like a bull in a china closet, so I'll make it happen. <laughs> So anyway, and I'm here for you, so whatever you need, when you need it, my phone rings 100 times a day. I get about 350 emails, and I try to answer them when I can, and I love every one of you, and have a great day, and don't forget, women have power. Oh, what energy is that? My gosh. Thanks. Another big hand for Marjorie. (laughs) Okay. And I have forgotten to introduce somebody that's had table being blind is so much fun. (coughs) It's uh, Kim Charlson is at the head table. (laughs) Uh, She's only the president. Somebody up here (laughs) said Okay, let's see. Uh, we have a couple minutes. Does anybody have any questions for either of these two? Le- uh, okay. Um, is there somebody that can? Uh, yes. If you, okay, Mary Ellen has it. Now, Ms. Margin, you've forgotten to tell everyone what else you do because Cynthia, I'm Bobby Lynn Lee from Augusta, Georgia, and Cynthia DeBose, uh, first-time member, is my sister, and we got off the airplane 
with her dog, and we said, oh my goodness, how are we going to find out where we go or what we do? Well, Margin had a whole army of people. For you first-timers, I know you regulars know this already. She had an entire army of volunteers standing at the Delta Gate to greet us. (laughs) We got here. And we hope to have those when you go back. So whoever's leaving early in the morning, I'm on don't my forget, way to the back. be there before four. <laughs> Marjorie and Janet, this is Darian. I just want you both to know about an experience that I had in the oyster bar last night. Uh-oh. We uh, went in, and I asked for a Braille menu, and I was with two other people who were using canes but can read print. And they brought three Braille menus. And I said, well, I'm the only one that needs Braille. Could you please bring us two print ones? And she said, what's the difference? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, those two read print. They need print menus. And she again said, what's the difference? And uh, she had no clue. And so please find out who that was and set her straight, Marjorie. Thank you, David. She must have been one of the 700 staff members. Good morning, everyone. This is Lupi Madrona from Silicon Valley Council of the Blind. And Kathy and I were thinking because she's been having problems with her feet and what have you. But it would be so nice if we had these conventions a massage therapist. And then maybe also a nail, pedicure, pedicure and manicure pe- person. That would be awesome. So think about it, please, Miss Marjorie. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I see your hand. I'm on my way. Hello. This is Amber Steep from Coastown, Pennsylvania, and member of the California Council of the Blind myself. Um, my question is, on the thing it said WCC, Sister Power Breakfast, what does WCC stand for? Women's Concerns Committee. Women's what? Women's Concerns Committee. Oh, cool. Women's Concerns. Acronyms are so tricky, but uh, we do have a committee of women, and they have very, very deep concerns. <laughs> Hi, it's Edie Huffman. Um, we were here six years ago, I think, in Sparks, and I remember there being a spa here, so I did get a manicure and pedicure, and it's not here anymore. I was so looking forward to it. Oh, Edie, that's so bad of you to brag about that today. Yes, I see your hand. I'm on my way. Hi, everybody. This is Andrea Klotz from... Orange, California, and for those of you who don't know me, um, I used to go by a different name, so you might know me by a different name, but I'm not using that name anymore because I declared my independence yesterday, well, a year ago, July 15th, when I filed for divorce, and I've had quite the year. It's had some really high points and some really low points. Um, My brother died by suicide a year ago, March, so I've been struggling with that, and I'm just about to start attending a suicide survivors group because for anybody in this room who's lost a loved one to suicide, it's not like any other kind of grief. And I have attended grief groups, but suicide is different. You belong to, you suddenly belong to a club that nobody wants to join. And when I meet people who have lost loved ones to suicide, I instantly feel a connection with them, even if the circumstances are different. My brother left three children and a wife and many, 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 many unanswered questions. He was a wonderful person. He's two years, <coughs> almost three years younger than me, and uh, have no idea why. But my women friends and my women support are so important to me, and I just want you to know that I just love you all because you're just so important. Thank you, okay, I see. Yeah. Uh, uh, hey, hang on just a second. I'm in the middle of two hands. Okay, I'm going to go right, and then I, I see your hand down front. Um, this is Margaret Johnson from Paragould, Arkansas. 
And getting around over this hotel has just been really horrendous. And I'm telling you, uh, my line's lunch is going to be over in that East Tower, and I'm already dreading it, and we hadn't even got started to the session yet. And so, anyway, I was just glad that it won't be too far from here to the uh, to the meeting hall. And, and, of course, then if you want to go to exhibits, you have to go. But just thinking about, uh, I, the day before yesterday, I went back and forth across that bridge about four times and never did find my room because I kept getting conflicted information. And and I tell you, you just wonder if you need an oxygen tank or what you need. <laughs> it's really been hard. We only have time. You've had a turn. Uh, uh, this other lady, <clears throat> excuse me, I have like three hands in the air and we... Oh, I apologize. I just stepped on a dog. Hi, this is Lynn Corral now of Sarasota, Florida. Hello? Hi, this is Lynn Corral from Sarasota, Florida. And I love coming to these women's things because you hear stories. People are real in this room, and I appreciate it. I've had a horrible year, too. And uh, when you lose a husband or you lose somebody to whatever, I have had friends here with my husband. This is the first time he's, even when I wasn't, went by myself here, it was okay because he was still at home. Now, the people I used to spend time with, nobody's inviting me to dinner, nobody's inviting me anywhere. It's really been very isolating, and it's great to be seeing people who are being friendly with me, like meeting Nellie in the bathroom or other people in the bathroom and you know talking to me. But I think people are very uncomfortable when they hear about losing somebody to you know a, a, a husband or a suicide or anything like that, grief. I've gone to grief groups this year. But um, I just need a lot of support from everybody, and I appreciate it. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Hello, my name is. Ooh. Hello, my name is Mika White from Washington, and I have a question for Janet and Marjorie. And my question is: When things are kind of at their worst and not going the way that you would like them to go. What, what is it that you say to yourself to empower yourself to keep going? Thank you, Mika. Okay, ladies. Uh, do you it's have a mic? Coming. Yep. Okay. Sorry. What I tell myself is, do you really want to be unhappy? Do you want to live under a rock? Or do you prefer to just push through the best you can, even though it might be difficult, and just get back into life because life is never easy, but you have to keep pushing and you have to make the best of things even when they're difficult. Okay. And mine is always have a positive attitude. Sometimes I get up and I'm in pain and no one would ever know it. I'm going to still go 100 miles an hour. <laughs> if I don't, I'll feel sorry for myself, and I do not want to do that. So the positive attitude is the best thing to have every day, regardless how bad the day is. Amen. I'm, <coughs> I'm Edie Huffman. I say amen to that because I joined the cancer club four years ago, and I'm dealing with the recurrence of it. But, you know, you keep going because otherwise... You don't want to think about it. Um, but I do want to introduce a celebratory note. Often John and I celebrate our anniversaries during convention. It's earlier this year, so we get to go out separately for our anniversary. It'll be 44 years on the 14th. Okay. We have time for maybe one or two more questions. Is there anybody that has a... Uh, okay, wait a second. Okay. Oh, Everyone okay? Yes, go ahead. Okay. So I want to ask you, you, you continue to be involved in this. Oh, sorry. My name is J.C. Aguirre. Uh, sorry. So I want to ask you, why, what is the special attraction that ACB has for each of you that keeps you Attached to it. I think what keeps me attached to it is the wonderful people. It energizes you. It keeps you moving. It keeps you going. 
and sometimes you can answer a question that maybe they have, or you can be there if they're feeling sad, or if they have a problem. And I'm a, I feel like I'm sometimes a good problem solver, so I feel like it's it helps me and it helps maybe the individual. But I do it because I just love everybody. Give it to Janet. See, I should never go after Marjorie because she always steals my thunder. I, I agree with what Marjorie says. It's, I mean, obviously, it's the good work that ACB does. Obviously, it's our advocacy work. It's all of the programming that we have. But for me, it's the camaraderie and just being with the ACB members. And as Marjorie said, being able to help people, being able to problem solve, and just being together. Thank you. Okay, uh, maybe one more question. This is Sarah Conrad. Um, I want to share something personal and then ask a question um, because I imagine that there are some other sisters in this room who have struggled with this. Um, I just want to say, um, as a recent rape victim, coming here and um, feeling the empowerment um, from both of you but also this, this room is just incredible. So I want to thank you for that. And I want to ask, what is your advice when someone tries to take away your power? How do you get that back? Right, we'll give it to Janet. Oh. Well, boy, that <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. I mean, obviously, I can't speak from the perspective of thank God, of being a rape victim because I've never been in that situation. I can't even imagine what that would be like. But I guess as far as in a normal situation would go, I just try to push myself. And if someone is trying to tell me that there's something that I can't do, I show them by example that that's not true, that I can push through anything. It might be difficult, but I can push through, and no one's going to tell me no. I've been kidnapped and robbed before, and some of that stays with you at all points in time, but it's, it's hard to get over, and it's your friends that help you. And every day... I make a new friend, and that makes a big difference. And it's not easy. It's not easy. It's never easy. And our last question is from Catherine. I, um, I've been raped the day after my mother died. But you pull through, and you make it. Just keep positive that you're okay. It wasn't your fault. The other thing I want to talk about is getting around this hotel. They need to label, like, let's say Ponderosa A and say what the function is. I'm cerebral palsy, and I have sight. And I had a hard time getting around because they weren't all labeled properly. They need to label it, and even the elevators, one say east, one say west. So we know because we're not familiar with this place. And being blind, I can imagine how hard it is. So uh, they need to f focus more on what it is that we're going to. I'm, I'm Lupe Madrano, who can't see her eyes. And because I can see is why I'm speaking up. Thank you. And ladies, thanks for the power. Oh, amen. I... I just want to address the labeling, and as far as labeling what event is in each room, that would be a little difficult because there's so many different events in each. Each room hosts so many different events. It is in our convention program and in our convention calendar. Now, as far as labeling the rooms are concerned, the hotel had just finished a large remodel. They just finished it the day I arrived, actually. Marjorie did get the numbers up. Right, Marjorie? You've got all the names and numbers up now. And she has been working on that. It has been a little bit of a struggle, but we do make every attempt to make sure that all the rooms are labeled in large print and braille. Thank you. And one last word from Marjorie. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> one. 
<laughs> well, I can talk a little bit about those labels. It's, it's like a revolving door. It opens. It closes. It disappears. And I've put up signs, put up Braille on them. They put up a large print, but there wasn't a raise. And I'll come back the next morning, and it's gone. So it has not been an easy task, and a lot of that has to do with the renovation of the hotel. But if you had been here three weeks ago, you would be in shock of how the hotel pulled it all together because it was still under total renovation and construction. You couldn't even go on floor two and some of the lobby. So I was shocked when I got here. I just couldn't see how they could do it that fast. And we have worked very hard on it, and next year we hope that it won't be under renovation, and we will be able, it'll stay there. But it's been quite an effort this year. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We need to close now because we need to go to the general session. But thank you very much. We're going to continue to support each other, continue to keep on going, continue to have a positive attitude. And thank you for our power, both ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being here.